Welcome to Data Myths Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Melinda Gagnon. So, a little about us. I'm interested in how tech helps us improve our lives. I have 20 years experience in digital communications. I'm an ex-Googler and now help launch new companies and products. And I've spent 20 plus years evangelizing tech at some of the world's largest companies. Whether you're a datafile or a dataphobe, we have something for you on this podcast. So get ready. Let's go. Hey, Brian. Welcome back. I am happy to be back. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a really long time. I actually uh, need to kind of dust off my my podcasting hat here and kind of get back into it. But I'm really excited to be back and starting season two. Yeah, I am too. I'm glad that we took the summer off. I think it's been since July, uh, since our last podcast. We did 22 episodes last year for our first year out. We learned a bunch of stuff. We learned some tech. You know, we had never really broadcast before. So really fun to learn. Yeah, it was really fun. And, and I have to say, I, I I wasn't really like a reluctant podcaster to get started, but I wasn't just totally pumped about doing it either. I was excited to just get, get the ideas out there and, you know, get the conversation going. But I found it's kind of contagious and I actually started to really love it. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped to be back and we have a lot of a good things in the in the list of, of things to talk about. So there, there's never a lack of things. Yeah, I've been I've been just literally taking notes the whole time uh, since we podcast last of things I want to talk about. So and I know that you have as well. So I'm really excited to. Yeah dig into some of these over the next season. Me too. And, and starting season two this time of year works out really nicely because we of course have one of the, the year's flagship events to, to kick off with. And, and this was actually when we started the podcast pretty impromptu a year ago, it was, it was all about CES, the consumer electronics show that was in Vegas. Yeah, we were we were heading to that. Uh, one of our employees at the time, uh, you know, said, hey, you should do a podcast. And I was kind of like, well, I feel like it's not necessarily the, the best use of my time. But then, you know, realized, hey, why not? And uh, and we got into it and we've had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I think we've got over 6,000 listeners at this point, which is really exciting. Uh, looking to add to that this year. So, yeah, let's Let's dig in. Let's talk about CES and and all the stuff that was uh, going on there this year. Yeah, sounds good. So so you were there for what, like five, six days? Yeah, six days. Awesome. So. And I unfortunately had to bow out this year. It's been the first year that I haven't made the trip in a while. So I was kind of bummed, but had some just work stuff that I had to do. So, you know, such is life. We try to be flexible and all those things. So well, thanks for staying back at the ranch yeah. and, uh, while I got to go and play in Vegas. <laughs> it's cool, you know, divide and conquer. So so you have kind of a strategy when you go to CES and like usually, you know, obviously we're there together. We like, you know, get the hotel room and kind of get all set up for the week and arrive a day early to get our bearings. So, so what's your like key to success when you get to Vegas to get this all started right. My key to Vegas and CES is I operate like an injured animal. And so I go and I hide somewhere in a skeevy bar somewhere off the strip um, where everything is at least a third or a quarter of the price and just kind of 
reset my mind, get ready to open myself up to 170,000 people bumping into me and 7x, you know, Uber uh, surge pricing and, um, you know, $30 omelets uh, for Mandalay Bay. And, you know, I get ready. You just kind of like get ready for the onslaught. Yeah. And then I go and I gamble. I gamble a little. I'm not a big gambler, but, uh, you know, I go and I just mix it up a little, take chances, uh, live fast and loose. <laughs> Sounds great. What what could go wrong, right? I mean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> notes to, notes to live by. So so you were there all week, covered a lot of ground, and and literally, if uh, anyone's out there like reading a bunch of articles and you talk to somebody who went to CES and you're like, oh, did you see the X, right? And the person's like, no. Just just for anyone out there, don't feel like that person is a loser because there's literally so much to see at CES. It is physically impossible for one person to see everything because it's just massive. You would have to walk for like 14 hours a day and hardly stop at a booth to actually understand something. Yeah, I tracked this year and I walked 27 miles in two days. And that's just, and I feel like, I could have still kept going and I walked, you know, I did one more day in Eureka park where all the, the startups are at and I didn't cover half the stuff there. Yeah. So I yeah. just gave up at that point. So massive. So, so that said of the things that you saw, which was a lot still, of course, what, what was the coolest thing that stands out in your mind? So I would say there was like kind of the in CES and out of CES coolest thing that I saw. Okay. So it was like a little bit of the out of CES thing. Cool thing that you saw at the skeevy bar. No, no, there were some interesting things there, but they're probably, (laughs) I don't know what the FCC's regulations are on what I can say, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it out. So I would say the coolest thing that I saw first day of CES, I throw the shades open, uh, in my non skeevy hotel, you know, you, you can't, for you. you can't stay skeevy everywhere. You got to kind of like up level some places, but I throw Way the shades. Adult. Yeah. Yeah. I kept it adult a little bit. So I throw the shades open and in the sky, there are 10 planes that are like wingtip to wingtip and they are digitally writing in the sky with contrails 5g, you know, 5g coming to home and work. And I thought that the just the technology and coordination of that was super cool. Zero practical usage other than like, you know, hey, will you marry me? Or hey, Josephine, happy birthday. I mean, for like probably $10,000 or something like that. Not real practical, but it was super cool. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of uh, the delivery is very cool. The message not so cool. That's kind of old news, right? I mean, yeah. 5G is here. Like, haven't we? That was that was a big CES 2019 message. It's like all of these <laughs> things, right? That like we talk about it. It's the year of the X. It's the year of whatever, and we usually say that for five years until it starts to trickle out. 5G, no different. So, not surprising. We're excited about it. We remain excited about it. We it's, remain it's, excited yeah. about it. We'll talk about we'll talk about it more later because <laughs> sure. it really does have some uh, some interesting uses. Uh, I would say though that the thing that I was actually really excited about outside of that was the ping pong playing robot. 
And it's not because the robot played ping pong. Like that's not real useful either. You know, get a friend. Like it's way cheaper than a robot. He'll probably or she'll probably bring beer or drinks. And the robot is never going to. The robot could bring drinks too. I mean, he could, but you're going to have to pay for it. And so like you're paying for a friend and the drink. Get a friend. You don't have to pay for the friend. And then the friend may bring drinks. And so you just, whatever. You get get where I'm going with this. Anyhow, so the robot playing or the robot playing ping pong was unbelievable. It it really was good. It had skills from zero to 100, you know, and everything in between. It used three cameras, one to watch the ball, one to watch your face, one to watch how you were playing on your side of the table. And it adjusted based on how you were playing, where you typically hit the ball how you typically hit the ball and what your perceived skill level is. And that is amazing. That's really cool. And when you think about noticing all those things and obviously processing that and adjusting to it, that's clearly, I mean, a human being cannot, cannot process all those points and react. No, I mean, a a professional player absolutely can, but, but at the extent to the extent that that robot can, but that robot could do that all day long. Right. Right. Yeah. There's no fatigue factor. And it's getting better every single time it plays the best player in the world. And that's the part that is, is incredible. Right. And so to me, when I think about that, it's not about the, the robot playing ping pong. It's about all of the things that we can now do because of that electromechanical motion, you know, because the AI and the machine learning, that is so sophisticated at this point. You know, it's really fast. Uh, you can do it for a number of different applications. And we just have that like proven out. You know, that's that's getting better. Um, big data, you know, volume and basically velocity of data. Um, you know, that's a big piece there. We've got that stuff pretty ironed out. And that's going to just continue to get better. But we have a pretty good roadmap there. Uh And then I think when you get into the cameras and the sensors that make this possible, those are those are getting so good at this point. Uh, A lot of that technology uh, as far as image recognition or motion or, you know, velocity and and things like that with camera detection, um, that stuff's getting built into the actual sensor. So you're starting to get some edge technologies that are processing it there. So you get some of that speed. But that is not, to me, the cool part. The cool part is when you start getting to the point of electromechanical devices that can imitate slow and fast twitch muscles and be able to have that nuanced touch, that is incredible. That is really cool. And we saw some of this last year, I mean, with um, a robot that could, you know, walk and move and kind of react like a dog. We saw a robot that um, you know, stood on two feet like a human that can do a backflip. So these are really advanced yeah. you know, ways of, of moving that we just really haven't haven't seen until until really the last year. Well, and if you think about that, right? So let's take that story out a little bit, right? So that dog doing a backflip, sure, there's some there's some difficulty there of the actual mechanics of that happening. But there's not a whole lot of variables that would affect that. When you're playing a human, 
against a sport that involves hand-eye coordination at that level, oopsies happen. You know, we don't always hit the ball exactly where we want. You know, sometimes we whiff and it might still hit the table and that thing has to react. So the variability of that data is really quite different. So just in in the timing of it, it's happening really fast and it's not happening on an asynchronous method. So like the dog can do the backflip whenever it needs to and it just does the flip, you know, once it starts the sequence. A robot playing ping pong it's having to adapt to different speeds and the ball, you know, rotation, a lot of different variables. So it's just, it's really impressive. That's very cool. I can see how that is the thing that stands out in your mind the most. And being, as I know, a a ping pong fan, uh, why it would be especially exciting. The lines were fairly long for that one cue. So I kind of just let it go and let it live another day thinking that it was the best. But Um, yeah, I wanted to play. I didn't have time though. That's cool. That's cool. So one thing that caught, that caught my eye and, uh, want to see what you think about it too, is, uh, Delta's exhibit and Delta really kind of made a historic move. They were the first airline ever to rent a booth on the show floor. So that just in virtue of, of that alone is, is kind of cool that they're doing something different in the industry. And, what they showed was parallel reality. So it was ba- it's basically one screen and it shows different information to multiple people at the same time. Yeah, and I didn't get a chance to see this. And I know you Break said, hey, go, go, <laughs> go check it out. <laughs> um, and I'm sure, you know, I'm one of Delta's probably most traveled passengers at this point so uh you know, delta's heart is also broken that you did not go i, I know and i do feel not, bad not to, i really not to put the pressure on but i really like ed bastion but like i just i missed it so anyhow yeah that is really cool we're coming up with yet another type of reality um tell me more about it because i just i didn't see it i know you did a lot and watched some of the podcast or uh, watched some of the video on it um tell me Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's cool from a, like multiple perspectives. So just in terms of, of what it does and the technology behind it. So so imagine you're walking into the airport, you know, and you see the display. And instead of having to stand there amid all the airport traffic, bumping up against everyone else, looking at the same screen, looking at line after line, trying to find your departure information, you're flying to Tokyo and you just look up and you see, oh, Tokyo, leaving from this gate at this time, on time, and maybe the weather, right? Yeah. can show some more interesting information. That's my experience because that's my destination. The person standing three feet to my right who's going to San Diego sees the departure information for San Diego. And so that, in theory, sounds really awesome. It sounds fantastic. I mean, just think about... Just a very, very uh, simple solutions to this. Airport congestion, just getting people from A to B faster. But also, because you have one screen, you can also serve them up some additional information. What is that opportunity? You know, I mentioned weather. Um, could there be a sponsored message? You know, could there be... Advertising, you mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, check out this festival when you get there. 
you know, it's just, it's such a, such a great opportunity, but it is a little bit mind blowing as well. When you think about this concept of parallel reality that, you know, this could apply not only to airports, of course, this could apply as we're walking down the street, as we're seeing storefront windows and billboards and signage to, to, to really say that you walk down the street next to someone and you look at a sign or, or you know, a window and you say, oh, that's really interesting. But you're actually looking at something different than what your friend's looking at. And so I want to have a whole episode just on this, because when we start talking about parallel reality, when I hear parallel reality, I personally think someone is lying to someone. Right. Or there are two different truths. Right. And well, there are in this case. Yeah. You see something different than the person next to you. And. And so when I think about the data behind it, when I think about machine learning, when I think about all of the components that pull together to make that possible, there is also the possibility of serving up a completely different story to different people. And in the past, it's like you serve up a story and you can't custom tailor the story to each and every individual person. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I want to talk more about that because I do too. And this more. is this is already happening in some areas, like um, you know, custom content on on websites and things like that. But yeah, this is just taking it to a whole new level. And so, how this this actually works? So they have this technology that they call a magic pixel, but it's like a multi-view pixel. So instead of a typical pixel where it emits one color of light, like in all directions, so like typically works this magic pixel sends different colors of light in many different directions who, like who is their engineer on this is it timothy leary <laughs> who's their engineer is so, it ben and jerry who is it <laughs> yeah, i know I mean, it sounds it's, magical isn't it magical i know i love that it's a magic pixel and and it makes sense conceptually of course like yeah that totally makes sense so this is the other piece of of the the business element of this advancement that I find very interesting because it's a fantastic example of corporate development done extremely well. So Delta made an investment in a startup called Misapplied Sciences. They're based out of Redmond, Washington, and they developed the technology. Interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the technology was, was first, uh, you know, looked at and, and talked about in, in, 2018, uh, but people didn't really know like what you could do with it yet. And but this is coming to life. This is going to debut in Detroit Airport later this year. It's it's real and it's going to roll out. And the way that it actually worked and the way it worked in the demo at CES is that each person scanned their boarding pass as they walked into the room, and that enabled them to have their personalized experience. And in terms of you know, how that could roll out in the future. There's lots of different ways that you could follow people, track people to serve up their individualized experience. So in this case, you know, if we scanned the badge or the ticket, the way they described it at CES, that they were following a quote unquote anonymous blob. <laughs> so they would kind of track your shape as a human to to show you that image. But in the future, we could use things like smartphones, facial recognition, wearables to to track people and serve this information. Well, and so this is really interesting. This was, you know, we're starting to see this a lot more at CES where non-traditional tech companies are now emerging, 
right? And so this year it was Delta, um, Brunswick Boats, which makes Boston Whaler, Sea Ray, uh, and some booze crews coming to a, a harbor near you soon. Uh, all of those boats, they all had booths for the first time. And it's really, you know, Doosan uh, that makes uh, mini excavators and, you know, skid steer loaders. They had a huge booth and it was all about AI enabled products. And it was really, really cool to see some of these uh, providers. And, you know, to, to kind of recap on Delta and the check-in process in Atlanta, they were actually the first um, airline that started to allow biometrics. They worked with TSA and Customs and Border Protection uh, to use biometrics to check you in on the plane without having to use a gate agent. They estimated saves about two seconds per passenger, uh, and it, it loads the plane about nine minutes faster. And, you know, that doesn't sound like much, but when you're talking wide body plane, it probably does two turns a day, 18 minutes, uh, and, and having something sit around idle uh, for 18 minutes that cost $300 million, $200 million is a big deal. So, it's a very big deal. And you know. we're we're big fans of Delta for many reasons. They're always like, yeah, feel, su- feel free to super send tchotchkes. Yeah, exactly. Plug for Delta sponsorship, insert here. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that, that I thought was like very cool. Um, so another interesting player in the space, you mentioned like companies that are kind of new to CES. John Deere is another one. And, and am I right that this was their second year exhibiting at CES? This is, yeah. Okay. So last year they brought some, you know, what I call big iron. They bought, brought some big tractors and talked about, you know, crop technology and uh, basically autonomous tractors and, and all that. Seems like a, a no-brainer. But this year they really upped the ante. I went and I had the opportunity to go in this backroom uh, demonstration and Sounds they very mysterious. It, it was. I got a free hat out of the deal, so that was fantastic. Um, I'm a huge John you, Deere fan you as well. Needed a new John Deere hat. I think yours had like a lot of engine grease on it, so it did. Good. It did. Um, so anyhow, yeah. So I got a chance to see this technology. Uh, they're essentially using in sprayer heads, which is, you know, a big problem, right? They they people use fertilizer, uh, people use pesticide in the bread belt. It's just how a lot of the stuff is grown, um, whether you like that or not. Um, but they basically have built this technology that uses machine learning to rapidly adjust the droplet size of these sprayer heads so that the things don't drift as much. And, and they used like some black light to demonstrate this. And it was incredible the difference between just a, a standard sprayer head and the ML enabled one. I mean, it was drastic. And almost everybody that I talked to at the booth was either like a product marketer or product manager that had machine learning background. You know, I talked to a guy that was an AI programmer and I mean, we were talking about pulse width modulation and we were talking about all of these, you know, these, these components that weren't just talking about green and yellow tractors. And it was really cool to see them just really step up their game. That is cool. And I I saw a stat that they, they say that this sprayer could reduce herbicide use by 90%. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, they were showing the difference in like a catch pan and it was palpable. You could, you could see the difference. That's, that's really cool. And then, so not only the, the sprayer technology, but they had some autonomous 
yeah, tractors and, and they going had, to. Yeah, they had obviously display about autonomous tractors and how, you know, using GPS and a combination of other sensors uh, that they could really, you know, change how farming happens using sensors that uh, basically looked at, um, you know, basically how green the plant leaves are and whether or not things needed to be watered. All of this technology, um, John Deere is, you know, they're they're running out in front of this, right? So nothing runs like a deer, apparently, when it comes to machine learning. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I love love the analogy. Yeah. Um, so, so one thing that I wanted to circle back on that I thought was uh, kind of cool continuation from last year. So anyone who listened to our podcast, our first podcast about CES last year, uh, there was a there was a big scandal with uh, one of the award winners of a robotics product. product. Oh, Alexa's little toy. Yes. So Got it. exactly, uh, Laura DiCarlo is a is a sex tech company. Uh, women's sex sex tech to to be exact and and they had she a six executive (laughs) yes she is as a matter of fact and and so this was what the real buzz was at ces this year (laughs) good way to put it yeah (laughs) so so yes so this this drama is continuing to unfold and last year the big the big dramatic thing was with this was Laura DiCarlo makes a, well, a vibrator, okay? And it uses really advanced robotics. And this isn't like the kind of vibrator you'd use if you were putting a foundation and you had to like get the concrete down in there, right? No, no, correct. Yeah, okay, this is, just um, checking. Yeah, a little more, a little more uh, specialized. So, um, but anyway, really advanced robotics. Last year they won an award and it was revoked by the CTA, so the Consumer Technology Association, which runs CES. They had an early withdrawal. <laughs> you're fun. I shouldn't be surprised. You just you're just like ready to roll, roll with all these. I'm on it. I've been practice. I've been waiting since July, Melinda. <laughs> For this follow up. For this follow up. So they pulled the award last year, citing that the product was immoral. Okay. So as you could imagine, I think pulling out of the award was the immoral part. Mm-hmm. It was wrong, right? I mean, yeah. so this was an, ad, an advanced um, advanced technology, won an award, immoral stamp, you know, here we go. So then it, it basically opened up the debate about sexuality at CES. You have the booth babes that are scantily clad, you know, standing next to uh, sports cars, you know, it's just this debate around like, why is more, you know, Male-centered sexuality, okay, but women-centered sexuality, not okay, and, like, what is going on with this picture? So, so, there were, so what you're saying is there was a lot of debaters over at this booth. <laughs> yes. I'm on fire. All, all I am across on fire. Vegas. I'm on fire. All Melinda. across Vegas. So, fast forward to 2020. Laura DiCarlo launches two new products. They call, a, they call them biomimetic pleasure devices okay so i'll take two yes so uh they got innovation awards for both of the products this year and um the 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 founder laura of laura laura de carlo laura haddock de carlo said that that she really feels that they've been change agents in helping to provide a positive evolution for sexual health and wellness 
because there have been studies that show that it is it is beneficial to one's health to have Perfect. sexual pleasure. So, footnote. I'm done with all the puns. <laughs> so I, I was waiting. I, no, I'm, I was I'm just going to leave it alone. I have more okay. jokes. But and, and we'll there were, keep... were other um, other exhibitors in sex tech this year. So, you know, I think um, CTA is is getting uh, getting oh, build, sorted on, on what they think of this. I think it's Build-A-Bear, right, is now making Build-A-Vibe. Was there, that the there, one you were telling me there about? Was, there was, yeah, there was actually a, like a, a, an exhibit that was like a VW bus type of display. And uh, yeah, that was it was build a vibe workshop. This was a different company called Crave, and uh, you could go in and and build your own. So there you go. There you go. Roll your own right there at CES. Yeah, yeah you know, mixing it up, seeing some different things here. Yeah. So you know, let's move on to a totally different topic. China. <laughs> yeah, that's a gear shifter <laughs> a right <natural> there. Natural <laughs> segue. <laughs> that's fantastic. So all right, this. One of the things that we, we, of course, like to to think about when we, we talk technology and all that is like, what is the business aspect of technology, the cultural aspect? There are political aspects to technology, too, of course. And uh, as we all know, I mean, China is a big player in the technology landscape. They're, they're big participants at CES each year. And, you know, a couple years ago, there was a, like a joke that there was such a, a heavy Chinese presence at CES. I mean, so many exhibitors that, you know, people were joking that instead of like the consumer electronics show, this is the Chinese electronics show. You know, I mean, they're just really huge players there. And this year, there was a drop in exhibitors. There was like a five to six percent drop. Well, so I... This all came up because I called you and said, hey, I don't know what's going on here. Maybe I got my dates mixed up because it feels fairly dead. I can actually walk around without feeling like I might get pickpocketed and get bumped into, um, you know, and I I was uh, I was shocked. It felt really actually like a normal conference that wasn't overpacked at the gills. And so you, you kind of quickly pulled up a stat and said, whoa, check this out. It's down six percent, and then, you know, I think I saw some stats as well that it's actually down like eight percent when you take into account people that couldn't get visas to come here and, and such. So uh, it did feel like a lot more of a balanced show. I felt like the stuff that was at it um, was a little bit more grown up this year, and yeah, there was a little bit more space to to roam around and roam about the cabin, so to speak. Yeah, and and the dip in exhibitors is really tied to. You know the, the the trade war going on um, between the U.S. and China, and and there are a lot of of Chinese companies that are getting serious serious pressure from from the U.S. I mean, just you know, basically, just a few things going on. There's a slow approval process for any kind of uh, American companies, particularly like semiconductor companies, looking to hire Chinese. Nationals as engineers. Yeah, That's, and CFIS is alive and well too. So investment, you know, has slowed down. You know, we all know and love TikTok. Well, their parent company, ByteDance, there's been uh, talk about national security concerns. So uh, American armed forces are asked not to use TikTok. <laughs> right. Well, and I will tell you, if I went over into the design and source tent, which is kind of one of the outside mm -hmm. venues, big, huge venue. 
Uh, I did on the way there hit some non-tech, which was the Weber Grills um, exposition. They had the best brisket. So that was that was nice. a nice uptick. Got that freebie on the way by. Um, but when I went into the design and source tent, China was alive and well. The whole tent was filled with, I mean, it looked Unfortunately, it looked like a lot of the stuff was like the same. So you go booth to booth and it was all just a, you know, a variance of how you could get your stuff cheaply printed and and shipped from China. Okay, so not exactly the showcase of of Chinese innovation, but No. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, we all know the the saga going on with uh, Huawei. That's uh that's we have a lot of different things going on there and and that that Chinese company that they're no stranger to having having uh, issues with American companies or delays around CES. Um, like even two years ago, they were abandoned by AT and T right before the show. So, um, yeah, you know, well, a major player that is having having a dampening effect. I think this is a good segue, right? So let's so Huawei, one of the big five G providers. Let's talk about five G a little bit because you know just about everybody there was. Somehow, some way, talking about 5G. If they weren't saying, hey, we're powered, we're an AI-powered company, they were saying we were an AI-powered company that runs on 5G. So that's, uh, you know, there were a lot of advancements, though. 5G is coming. We've been talking about it for a long time. Uh, the big providers here in the United States are rolling it out. And if you haven't been up on it, what does this actually mean? Well, 4G technology, which is what most every iPhone has and most every phone to date has, uh, is typically kind of tops out at 100 megabits a second. What does that mean? It means you're going to watch Netflix pretty solid and, and any other streaming service like that uh, with no problem if you get that max bandwidth. Again, that's theoretical. So if you got 70% of that, you'd probably be doing pretty solid. Um, but when you move into 5G, some of the early renditions of 5G are going to get us up to one or two gigabits per second. Uh, it tends to top out at 10 gigabits per second, but they actually think that they can get to 100 gigabits per second towards the end of the standards period um, as they come out with new technologies. So that's really exciting. And you might be saying, what on, you know, what on the earth am I going to do with that bandwidth? Well, luckily, all of these uh, AI and machine learning companies uh, and optical companies and everything else that make sensors uh, have taken care of that for you because they will have that bandwidth used well before it hits uh, your iPhone or device. So um, that's really exciting. I think one of the places we're going to start to see it really quickly is in autonomous cars or cars that have some type of guided um, actions, right? And, you know, you might still be driving it, but you might be getting weather feeds, traffic updates, and all of that just built right into the car. Um, that stuff's coming. It needs a ton of bandwidth. Uh, and it's, it's exciting. That, that is cool. That's, that's very exciting. And, and one of the things that, that you were mentioning to me as well. And when we think about like all the different, uh, you know, ways that we we live day to day obviously 5g is gonna gonna change that up um improve what we've got today and then just open up the opportunity for for so many different capabilities uh one of the the day-to-day -day things that we're reflecting on we actually have a um a podcast that we're gonna 
going to delve into this more, but streaming services. Yeah. And um, you saw one company that you're kind of like, oh, wow, I thought that it's kind of like all been done with streaming, but they actually had something that was different. Yeah. So a company called Dabby, which that in itself, I don't know if I love the name, but they didn't ask me. So I'll, uh, I'll put in for name name recognition next time. Uh, but Dabby basically lets you take all of the different streaming apps that are out there and centralize them. And so that you can easily select programs and what you want to watch without having to kind of go in and out of all the different apps. And so while that's cool, it's not like that's not game changing technology. But what that says to me is consumers are getting really exhausted with apps and they're getting really exhausted with everybody having an app. Mm -hmm. So I think we're starting to see the consolidation happen of just people being exhausted, you know, being exhausted of having to switch between things. And we're going to go right back to cable, right? Because if you think about cable, all cable is, is a bunch of different apps called channels uh, that get aggregated down onto one line and you can switch it with one controller uh, on your TV. Well, that's where we're going, folks. So I thought that was really interesting. We're going to talk a lot more about streaming, though, because there's so many changes uh, coming about there uh, and it's happening fast. So really excited to talk about that. That is interesting. And and this does solve a big problem. I have to say I, I will be using <laughs> using Dabby myself. It's nice not to have to flip and to have um, anything just to be simpler on your TV, on your phone. That is a welcome thing. That's sure. awesome. Is there anything else we want to kind of cover? I know there were a couple there's, topics you had. There's so many, so many things. I mean, there were one thing that I saw that quite honestly, I think it was more like buzz, not the kind of buzz we were talking about earlier, the just kind of like, oh, this is a neat thing or the AI humans. But basically there were, there were humans that were, um, virtual humans, they were like real life avatar type of things. There was really no indication of how they would be used, but they could talk to you like a real person. They looked like real people, but they were not, their images weren't based on like an actual person. I saw those and they were okay. I mean, the technology, like that's just to me at this point, that's not as impressive. And I know that stuff's going to make leaps and bounds, but I really, I go back to the electromechanical pieces, right? That stuff's going to be catching up uh, to, you know, things like voice, speech recognition, um, optical, uh, being able to have like some type of emotion or sense that in a person uh, and be able to have dynamic conversation. I think that stuff's sufficiently far along. We're going to start to see uh, the mechanical pieces uh, now start to get really closely replicated. That's really exciting. Um, yeah. Do you think there's anything else that you saw that would be just, you'd be remiss if you did not share so with this, everybody? It's not technical, but I was hungry once again, and I happened to see the Impossible bo uh, Burger booth. So I swung over there, and there were people everywhere, and they were rolling out their Bon Me pork or their pork product. And uh, their non pork pork product. Their non pork pork product that tastes a lot like pork. 
you know, and I would say everything was going amazing. It tasted great. I didn't really know a difference. I did ask some fairly critical questions and tough questions about their business model uh, and what they, you know, were trying to do. Uh, was it health or was it, what was it? And, you know, I kind of kept getting the answer of, we're just trying to replace meat because meat is bad for the earth. And so then when I said, well, it seems like there's a lot of process that goes into getting all of these vegetables to line up to make this thing that looks like meat, how does that stack up? And I just kind of kept getting the revolving door back to, we're just trying to replace meat. So I want to dig in on that a lot more and a lot of these faux foods um, that are starting to come out. Uh, I think we're going to have probably a, a cast just on that. So I'm excited. But I will say everything was going swell until I had the impossible run um, because oh, it no. did it did not uh, it it and I did not agree that it was awesome. And so I. I think I jumped a Jersey barrier, ran through security while they yelled at me to get to the nearest, you know, restroom. But, you know, whatever. It's all good. <laughs> the impossible pork was followed by the impossible run. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, conference. I I saved a, I saved a few beef critters in the in the process, but I may have um, I may have wrecked some stuff. So anyhow, well, you saved the environment in one way and damaged it in another. Yeah, yeah. I kept the textile industry so, well in business. All is all is neutral. Okay. All right, with that <laughs> that's a good roundup of your CES experience. We started in a skeevy bar and we ended with the impossible run. So, you know, I just I think we came full circle. Yeah, no, I I think that we firmly hit this one out of the park. <laughs> I'm gonna probably listen to this later and you know, embarrass myself. But uh Thank you once again. And I'm looking forward. I, we have some really great content uh, for this season and I'm excited to be doing this again. And, you know, we'll uh, we'll try to get some guests on here. But yeah, I'm excited to be at this again. Me too. Here's to season two. Great. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is sponsored by Uprise Partners. Uprise launches startups and evolves established companies. Check it out at www.uprisepartners.com. Please like, subscribe, and share, and we'd love to hear from you. Give us a shout if you have a great idea that you want us to include. Just email us at hello at datamyths.com. Catch you next time.